Hi there, it's great to have you here for another episode of the podcast for your quarter-life crisis, <laughs> Project 25. It's been a busy couple of weeks. I had my graduation ceremony two weeks ago, if you're interested, which was really nice. It was a good way to close some cycles. And my family visited from Mazatlan, Mexico, to spend that special day with me. So I was very happy and very grateful. Now I can officially say that I am a communications professional. <laughs> and I don't know how it is with your family, but when I spend time with mine, I just feel very grounded, very at ease. It's like being reminded of who I am and where I come from. And then I notice patterns on my mom that I notice on myself. <laughs> so it's like, oh my gosh, I really am my mother's daughter. <laughs> Anyways, yes, yeah, sometimes you can run out of patience or have some issues. But, you know, that feeling that your home is there, you know? So... Anyways, enough about me. I have another very special episode. I actually meant to do this episode earlier this year. I did it in the Spanish version. But, you know, everything comes at the right time. So, we're gonna discuss the quarter-life crisis from a therapist's point of view. Is this phase of life normal? And how do we deal with it? And what can we learn from it? Today, Claire Hanlon from Abundant Psychology joins Project 25 to answer all these burning questions. Claire is a total gem. She is a registered psychologist with the College of Alberta Psychologists, as well as a certified counselor with the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association. Claire has worked in the fields of counseling, education, community development, and family systems for over 25 years. She's originally from the Maritimes and has had the incredible pleasure of living and working in many wonderful parts of the world. This has included time working with individuals, families and communities in West Africa, the Middle East, the Caribbean, and both coasts of Canada. Claire holds a Bachelor of Applied Arts in Child and Youth Study from Mount St. Vincent University, a Bachelor of Education from Mount St. Vincent University, a Master of Arts in Community Counseling from Kenyon College, and a Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology from Yorkville University. Claire sincerely believes that we all can make positive changes in our lives. This is what drives her as a therapist. Please note that this is general advice and not specifically a one-on-one, -on -one, as we're all different, and the strategies that may work for one person may not necessarily work for another one. So keep that in mind, and if you'd like to book a personal consultation, I will leave Claire's website on the episode description, as well as some mental health resources. And now, without further ado, here's this wonderful episode. Enjoy! Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have with figuring things out. Being a 25-year-old or a 20-something is a lot. It's fun and exciting, but also confusing and weird. It's an age where we realize that maybe the goals we had for ourselves weren't really ours to begin with, an age of tons of learning and unlearning, and an age of frequently asking ourselves, what am I doing with my life? And that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. 
I'm Andrea Juarez, and I created this project when I hit my quarter-life crisis. <laughs> Looking for answers, I decided to ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25, what has changed, what they've learned, and their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. Hello, Claire. Hi, <laughs> Welcome to Project 25. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. I will say, I usually say thank you for being here, but I'm in your space. <laughs> so thank you for welcoming me and for, yeah, agreeing to be part of this project. I'm very excited about our conversation. So yes, welcome. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for welcoming me to be part of it. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. And well, I have a couple of questions today, as I probably told you about the quarter life crisis. And I'm going to have my phone here because I have some notes. You know, I reached out to chat about the quarter life crisis, like I probably told you, but I had my own <laughs> last year, which is why I started this project. But also, you know, I've been interviewing a lot of people about their experiences. And I started this project because I heard from a lot of my friends, they were also like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And a lot of people on social media as well, like saying yeah. like, oh, you know, what gets me through today is like a Starbucks latte. <laughs> like I am so unmotivated and things like oh, that. Yeah. And I was reading an article. It's from 2017. Okay. So it's maybe a little outdated, but it was about research that suggests that millennials have the highest rates of depression and anxiety mm. of any generation, with job concerns high on the list. Yeah. Like, I remember too, when I graduated, I was so anxious about work. But there was also an association between high rates of depression and high rates of social media use. Right. People who reported being depressed tended to be more active on many social media mm. platforms. And I, I mean, I do use a lot of social media myself, and yeah. I think it's a phenomenon, right? Like, in my generation and the generations to come as well. But it's also because a lot of people on social media like we only post the good stuff right so yeah we have this out of proportion sense that everyone has things figured out and like is getting jobs and is living their best lives and everyone has it together but people who are witnessing which causes like further isolation and I don't know like anxiety so it's that but also I was reading this this is 2017 again yes. but 75% of mental health conditions begin by age 24 which is close to 25 so it's like the college years and the abrupt transition into adulthood so it can be a very challenging time emotionally so pretty much in a nutshell like a lot of things right Absolutely. so i'm excited about this conversation but before we start <laughs> can you share us a little bit about yourself so your age title and a fun fact about you yeah you bet okay well i am actually i just turned 50 this year okay, so i yeah. am like double this <laughs> yes. age that you're talking about i am a registered psychologist here in the province of alberta and a fun fact about me i think i would say from the time i was in my kind of early to mid 20s until now, probably the most fun fact would be that I have either traveled to for fun or for work or volunteering over 20 countries. Wow. And so, yeah, that was a really fun experience for me, but yes. also a fun fact. Yeah. Which was your favorite country oh to volunteer? Oh my gosh. To volunteer? Oh dear. Um, 
I would probably say the Gambia in West Africa. Oh, wow. And probably because it was my first really big volunteer experience and overseas experience. And it was in my early 20s. And so it was such a time, just like you're talking about, of so much change and so much uncertainty about myself, but putting myself out there and doing something completely different, a little bit scary, was, I don't know, like I learned a lot about myself and about the world and my values, like all of that kind of thing. So probably that that one. Yeah. That's really nice. That's really cute. (laughs) Thank you very much for sharing. You're so welcome. And Claire, you were just saying that you know it was a time with a lot of uncertainty but you put yourself out there regardless so I wanted to ask you yes like how was 25 for you how did you feel or live in your 20s you told us a little bit but yeah you want to elaborate a little more. You bet. So 25 in particular was really significant age for me for so many reasons. So I had just finished two undergraduate degrees. Wow. And I had a significant amount of student debt to go along with that. And I was like working two jobs. I was living in a different province from my family. I'd recently ended a serious romantic relationship. Yeah. And an opportunity actually came up for me. And so it was a little bit scary and a little bit risky, but I completely took it. And it was a big life change. I decided to move overseas and teach in the Middle East at an international school. And for me, this ticked so many boxes. So it was a fresh start. It was going to be financial stability, adventure, experience in my new profession, like travel, leaning into my values, and a little bit of that, like moving away from what I should do and what everyone expected of me and more of like trusting in myself and just taking a leap of faith in myself. So 25 for me is a pretty big year when I think of it. But my 20s in general, I would say, and we touched on it a little bit, it was a decade of probably the most enduring change of any time in my life. So I started my 20s as, you know, a university student with student loans and living with my best friend in an apartment in a new city and, and navigating all of that. And then ended my 20s married, living in the Caribbean, all of these things. So every up and down you can imagine, like so much personal growth, social life, professional life, money, health, you know, spirituality, family, like just every change you can imagine happened in that decade. So when I do think back about it now, I think, my gosh, no wonder, right? People are feeling, because I do remember that feeling so uncertain and unsettled and things. But yeah, yeah, so that was my 20s in a nutshell. Thank you for sharing that. I love how it started and then how it ended. You are living your best life for sure. It had everything, right? Like leading up to that. And I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying about we only tend to see those exciting things and the exciting stories in the end. We don't really talk a lot about like what got us there or all the ups and downs leading to that or the risks that you have to take in yourself and all of that. We don't see like the grind behind the glory, right? And I think that's what causes a lot of frustration, especially in an age of constant gratification as well, right? And I mean, I cannot like point any fingers because I, I'm guilty of oh, I want the instant gratification like it's part of my generation or our curse. <laughs> but thank you very much for sharing that. And now I want to ask you, as a therapist, can you explain to us why the quarter life crisis exists? <laughs> yeah. And this is it. Like it's going to be so personal for every person, right? And so I really want to stress that, that it's not going to look the same for every person. But I think in general, like for those who might not be familiar with that particular term, yeah. it typically does refer to that period of uncertainty and so much change that a lot of adults in their 20s and even 30s 
are experiencing when they're feeling uncertain, what's next in life. And it's really common during this phase of life for people to feel like they're in a crisis in a sense, a crisis of identity, a crisis of direction as they navigate questions like, what am I going to do for a career? Do I want a romantic relationship? What do I want from someone that I might fall in love with? And do I want a family? And, and people thinking a lot about their future yeah. and a lot of questions about have I achieved enough and comparing themselves to like peers and others on social media and just makes for such a rich environment for distress. If you think of it that way, there's <laughs> yes, so much like to consider. Everything, everywhere. Yes, oh. right. And so I think it makes sense that it often gets described as a crisis because it can feel so overwhelming trying to figure all of it out that it does, in a sense, feel like a complete crisis for people. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially like emotionally and financially totally. and like in terms of relationships. Like it's a lot of that. things that is just like they throw right. you in like, welcome to adulthood. <laughs> It's true. And you think about it, like up until then, pretty much for a lot of people, like life is pretty structured, right? We go to school, we come home, our parents have expectations, we fall in. So it is that first time in our life where we're also like, what? There's, where's the structure? Like, where's yeah. the safety net? Now I have to figure this out for myself and all of that. It can be yeah. overwhelming, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you mean I can have Cheetos for dinner? <laughs> exactly. And should I? Is that a good life choice? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. And you said there is a lot to handle. There's so much we have to figure out. So what feelings or thoughts are experienced in this phase of our lives? And is that normal? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there are so many feelings that appear during this period of time. And you even mentioned some at the beginning. Like some of them are anxiety, fear, depression, worry, being self-critical, maybe even being a little bit jealous or envious of other people or disinterested, low motivation, loneliness, like all of those feelings are so, so normal. But one thing I really wanted to say about that as well is that, and this is a more hopeful note, yeah. but while the uncomfortable feelings of overwhelm and uncertainty are really, really normal, these often lead to such beautiful personal awareness and personal growth. And people will often notice that like those feeling calm and purpose and adventure and direction and more self-awareness, they often emerge after that feeling of crisis. And yeah. so I do want people to also feel hopeful that That's it's not just yes. a crisis and all the yes. negative, but that kind of tends, if you're becoming self-aware and doing the work and supporting yourself and finding other supports, it can lead to all this other kind of beautiful self-growth too. Yes. So yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, so um, and also, because you just mentioned that, you know, these feelings are normal, but also they lead to growth. When we experience this stuff, from my personal experience or even from like experiences from my friends, they say like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So yeah. how do we even begin to know what we want to do. Yes. <laughs> Such a good question, isn't it? <laughs> and it feels so big and so daunting, doesn't yes. it? I know. Because yes. it does feel almost like I have to have this answer. Like I have to be able to know exactly what I'm doing with my life. And I think for me, probably the first thing I would say to answer that is 
One of the greatest ways to just get to know yourself and the direction that you want your life to take is to learn a lot about your own core values and also how these might differ or feel the same from the values that you grew up with or of the values that are surrounding you, like in friends and family groups, things like that. And when we do explore our core values, we're in a better position to lead from a place of authenticity and intention. And that helps us when we're trying to figure out what choices to make in life. So that would be probably the primary thing that I would say. And then the handful of other things that come to mind when I hear that question are things like life doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all sorted out right away. Try to embrace like opportunities without that fear of failure, because I think that fear of failure gets in our way sometimes. Yeah. But failure can often be like our greatest teacher and our greatest motivator. So try not to be afraid of that. Remember that life is totally unpredictable. So try to remove that pressure to have it all figured out. Also just daydream right? Daydream, like be open to exploring lots of different opportunities based on what you're feeling, what you value, what makes you feel just like alive, what you're passionate about. And then just asking yourself like questions to slow it down a little bit. Like what is the one thing that I need to decide? Or what's the one thing that I need to do right now? And then after that's done, just going, okay, what's the next one thing I need to do? And maybe slowing it down a little bit too, making like small changes often. Yes rather than feeling like you have to have everything mapped out altogether. Yeah, so like taking it one day at a time, one step at a time. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I like what you said about finding your core values. Yes. I mean, for example, I think about me and I'm like, okay, these are my core values. Sure. But for someone who may not have them clear right away, how can they explore their values? Such a good question. And again, like there's no one right answer for every person. But I mean, obviously I am a psychologist, so I'm going to be a little bit biased. One way is to work with a really great psychologist that you trust, right? So having, if you're able to, like if there aren't barriers to accessing that kind of professional relationship, I would say it's a really nice way to do that kind of work because you have someone also sitting across from you who's objective. Yes. And to, you know, with friends and family, although they love us so, so much, of course they're biased a little yes. bit. And so it can be nice to sit in a professional space with someone that you trust and just get to know like, what are core values in general? And maybe what are the ones that I grew up with? And was I part of either a family system or a cultural system or religious system that had core values that maybe I'm starting to wonder about? How much of that do I lean into and identify with? And how much of that is different? And having those safe spaces to explore that a little bit and to name what really, really matters to you. That's one way. And if you can't access a psychologist for whatever reason, I think this goes back to your comment about the internet and social media. If you find reputable research-based sources, there's so much information out there that's free and accessible where people could do a little bit of exploring on their own. So thank you. No, that's great. So for those who are listening, like (laughs) make sure, yeah, you can take some action, right? Because that's something that I also wanted to do with this podcast, like the quarter life crisis like yes it happens kind of like normalize it but also i think it's important that we face it so we don't get stuck (laughs) absolutely like lean into it exactly as bizarre as that might sound because people think my gosh if i'm uncomfortable and i'm in crisis like why would i lean into that i need to get as far away as i can yes but actually sometimes it is that when we're really uncomfortable as long as we're safe 
that discomfort actually is like that little, that tiny little message of like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to grow. Yeah. I'm ready to like learn more about myself or grow in a certain way. And so yes. it's not always necessarily a negative thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yes. Yeah. No other way but true. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes. I read that one and I, I was like, I'm applying that to my life. Absolutely. Right. People talk about that phrase a lot with grief and things like that. And yes. it's, it's really true. It's like, we kind of have to lean into that. Yeah. And then we come out, it's what we were talking about with the feelings earlier too. It's yeah. like those feelings can propel other things yes. that lead us to growth and change and can end up being a really beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I also want to ask, it's funny, like the next question, because we were talking about, you know, leaning into it. But my next question is, what are the best antidotes to deal or overcome? Yeah. Or I will say like, Now that we've spoken, like, experience sure. the quarter-life crisis. Yeah. And I think, too, it is, like, sometimes it does feel like we're dealing with it or we have these really uncomfortable feelings to overcome. So I think it's okay, right, yeah. to use that language. But I think, number one, it's validating, right? Validate the experience for yourself and validate that even though the experience that you're going through is unique to you, the feelings that you're having during this period are very common to many other people and you are not alone in that process. So just doing some validation around that can be helpful. And then also avoiding comparisons to others as much as possible. And I know it's so hard, especially if you're seeing people all of a sudden they're getting a career that looks really wonderful or they're in a love relationship that looks really wonderful. And you're thinking, well, gosh, I pictured that I was going to do that and I'm not. But really trusting that you are wherever you're meant to be in that moment and paying attention to that and being really intentional about what you want next, as opposed to what you're just seeing in somebody else's life, ensuring that you're making self-care a huge priority. And self-care is going to look different for a lot of people. Yeah. And it will add to like overall health and wellness. But also when you're taking care of yourself, you're more likely to make decisions that are in line with your values and less impulsive. And so self-care for that reason is a really great thing during this particular period of time too. Yeah. Surround yourself with like positive, encouraging, supportive people. Make small changes often, like things we were talking about before. Yeah. Trust that, like I'm repeating myself, but that like trust that discomfort is a signal that there's change about to come in your life and leaning into that a little bit. And I would also say like reach out to other people who have maybe gone through this period and have come out the other side, so to speak, yeah. or others who have taken different paths and learn and be really, really curious about what other people chose and why, and yeah. you know, what was difficult about that, what was easy, all of that, and just others even that could relate to your experience. So a lot of that like supportive conversations, but mostly validating and supporting of yourself too, right? Yeah. And trusting yourself. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, I like what you said about asking others because like, well, that's what this podcast does like asking other people about their experiences but even like career-wise like I've interviewed HR professionals yes. and for example they recommend like oh if you want to get somewhere in your career ask the people that you look up to yes. like ask them 
how they got there, their advice, like apply it to your own context. And then because you can learn so much from people. And I remember I used to be afraid of like asking questions or reaching out because maybe seeing someone in a certain position seems very intimidating. But we're all human. Exactly. (laughs) And also people are happy to help. I totally agree. And I think the more we talk to other people, the interesting thing we find out too is everybody's story is totally different. Yeah. And sometimes that, like when I talk about not comparing to other people, sometimes we can make presumptions. Well, my goodness, these people are so successful or whatever. And you start to ask questions and talk to people and you think, oh my gosh, I never would have known that they struggled or I never would have known that they took this path, which seems completely a different path than I would have pictured. So sometimes that can be very reassuring too. Yes. I feel like it opens doors for you in your brain. Like in my... (laughs) Sometimes you will see like a very successful person, but you don't know all the sacrifices that they've made or whether they're able to get some sleep or not. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, like going back to the grind behind the career. Yeah. It made me just think about that this is more personal than a professional comment, but back when I was in my 20s, like I think about some of the decisions that I made and some of the choices that I made, which ended up being incredible choices where I met wonderful people and took different career paths and found all kinds of like what people would call success, but however you want to define that, right? Personally, but a lot of it came from situations that were uncomfortable, right? So I'll use that example of I had a lot of student debt when I came out of school. And although I had, you know, I worked a couple jobs and I had money, I always was thinking as I was finishing up my second undergrad, I thought, what am I going to do? Like, I am going to be paying off student loans until I'm 50. (laughs) And and I heard these stories of people saying, oh my gosh, yeah, like I'm 40 and I'm still paying off student loans. And so that's a really good example of when I then had that opportunity to go and like work overseas and all of that. Had everything been going just perfectly and smoothly, I might not have said yes to it. But because it also financially was going to help, plus other things, it it kind of sparked that desire to make that choice and take that risk. So I think... Those are great examples to go, well, wait a minute. Sometimes when we're uncomfortable, it leads to these really incredible experiences that we wouldn't have had otherwise, right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I also wanted to ask you, you talked about self-care. Yes. And I know that is different for every person. You bet. But what are some tactics for self-care? Because I also feel like, you know, capitalism... (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, like self-care and like the super expensive face masks or, oh, you have just like $200 $200 for a mani-pedi. And it's like, I feel like sometimes people, for example, I think about social media and how people are like, oh yeah, self-care, treat yourself. And it's like a very expensive shopping spree or, you know, because capitalism. (laughs) But on social media, we see a lot of like self-care and it has to do with consumption of like expensive, like spas or like mani-pedis. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But for example, there are a lot of people who are like, I don't want to spend that kind of money. Like, I don't need to spend that kind of money, right? So what are some tactics for self-care that you recommend for those who are out there listening? Yeah. 
And I love, it's funny, like I wouldn't have thought of that right away, but you're so right. Where self-care can sometimes be almost like sold to us yes. as this you know, decadence or like something that if you have enough money and you have enough resources, you can, you can enjoy that. And I think that's such a good point. And so for me, when I think of self-care, oh my goodness, like I could probably go on and on for (laughs) so long, but I'll try and like pick a few examples of things that are just free (laughs) and accessible to everyone. And I would honestly start by like really simple, simple things like say at the beginning of every day, And this is just one example, but before, like, what do we tend to do? We tend to wake up. Most people, I would argue, wake up, roll over, grab our phone and like check our email, check text, check whatever. And so one example for that would be, say the minute your eyes open, you could make a commitment to yourself, for example, to say, I'm going to take 10 minutes every morning before I check my phone, before I turn the lights on, before I do anything. And I'm just going to lay there. And I'm going to kind of take a quick little inventory of just physically how I'm feeling, emotionally how am I feeling? Am I feeling anxious this morning? Am I feeling like pretty relaxed and settled? Is my mind spinning? Is it not? Like just do a little check-in with yourself. And then take a little bit of time. For some people, it might be like two or three really deep breaths, like in through the nose, out through the mouth. And then it could be something like setting an intention for the day. So maybe on a morning where you wake up and you're there and you think, oh my gosh, like my mind is spinning and I'm feeling really, really anxious this morning. Okay. My intention for today is going to be slow. I'm going to, if I do nothing else that I'm really excited or proud about today, I'm going to slow the day down. That's going to be my intention today. So whenever I get the chance to just walk a little bit slower or take a little bit more time in between the two tasks that I have to do or whatever that might look like. And then take maybe, so you've set your intention for the day and then maybe you take two or three more deep breaths. Then you say, okay, ready to start my day. So that, like you could start a day like that. Then you do your intention during the day and maybe the day is busy and you don't feel like you have much control over what's happening. So then at the end of the night, again, maybe give yourself, if you have the time, an hour before bedtime. If you don't take 10 minutes, it's fine. But let's say you have an hour before bedtime where you could turn your phone off, get away from your screens as hard as it is to do. Because what do we love to do before bed? Scroll, watch Netflix, all the things, right? But this would be like a good example of self-care where it's like everything is done that I need to do on my screens. So now I'm going to just do like, again, maybe some stretching. Maybe I'll have some like soft music on. Maybe I'll take like a warm bath. Maybe I'll read a book that I'm loving. Maybe I'll just sit, take a few deep breaths, and maybe just reflect on when did I actually lean into that intention today? Like, when was I slower? Oh, yeah, I'm really proud of that. Oh, that felt really good. Or is there something that's kind of sitting with you for the day that you're like, oh, that was so frustrating, or I wish I'd done that different? I'm just going to bless and release that. Like, any of those practices where we can just even just slow the day down and be a little bit more intentional with our thoughts, that can be self-care. For other people, it might be spending time with friends. Other people, it might be being out in nature, have getting regular exercise, yeah. playing with their puppy, like just looking around your own life and your own experience to say, what, like, where do I feel like my best self? Where mm. am I my most relaxed, my most content? The, where do I feel the lightest? Who are the people I get around that where I feel the lightest? And lean into all of that. And that's self-care, right? Yeah. So 
Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I loved all these tactics because, yeah, everyone can do it. But, yeah, even what you're saying about waking up and immediately checking your phone, like, I was guilty. Like, I will, like, wake up in my ritual and then I will look my phone at my phone. But... I think it was like two weeks ago and I was like, I am so tired of my phone. Like, I don't want to look at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I didn't like pay attention to my phone. Yeah. I didn't listen to music in the morning. I didn't pay attention to my phone until I hopped on the train to go to work. Wow. And that week, I just felt different. Amazing. I felt like I was going back to myself. It was incredible, the difference. Like Amazing. I, I was like, oh my gosh, it's crazy how we are so dependent on our phones yeah. and how we are not present. Yes. Like, in the moment because we are like mm. looking like I don't know it was yeah. it was it was very interesting and I want to do that again. I want to use my phone less. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What made you motivated to do that? I don't know. I feel like because I had been using it a lot in the sure. last couple of days. So, and I do know that, you know, that we can become obsessed. And I have my notifications turned off. Like I've had them turned off like for two years now, like yes. Instagram. The only ones that I get are WhatsApp because, yeah, I know that the brain can get addicted to that dopamine. But I was even like going on Instagram, like seeing my notifications. Yeah, like I will go in. Like I was very active during those days, but then I felt like, Oh, like I, That's like after it. those days, I, felt, I just felt repulsed. I was like, wow. because I had been using it for so long during yes. those days in such, a, in such a short amount of time. And I was like, ugh, I feel yucky like I don't want to use my phone and that's Um, that self-awareness we're talking about isn't it where it's like and for every person it's going to be so unique but that's such a beautiful example of (laughs) self-awareness where it was like I know how I feel when I'm doing this and I don't love that so I'm going to just make a change and I'm going to be really intentional about it and I feel like this is a good you know like self-care type of even you know test for myself and then it sounds like by doing that, you learn something about yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need my phone that much. <laughs> and I think too, we can get caught up, all of us, in I don't have time. I don't have time. When we when we think about self care, and I think it really is like a really good thing to notice that it doesn't need to be exactly like you said, like a two hour spa appointment or you know spending a lot of money on a yoga membership and going. Although those things are wonderful, and yeah. if people love them and can afford them and have the time, of yeah. course, do yeah. it. But if you don't, it doesn't always have to be such a significant thing it can be you know 10 minutes here 10 minutes there just calm intention maybe removing like a stressor I love that yeah Yeah. thank you (laughs) yeah I really noticed a difference yeah well thank you for validating my feelings (laughs) I want to also ask you I know we chatted a little bit about Mm -hmm. this because you've mentioned you know your values or practice self-care but there probably I, I already asked this and I got caught up in the conversation but like the advice that you have for 20-somethings who right now are going through this crisis yeah and I think I think you're totally right we've talked so much which is so wonderful but there are probably like those two or three things that for me stand out and one of them is that normalize that this phase of life is real it's not imaginary and that everything that comes with it is really, really normal. All the feelings that come with it, all the uncertainty, the change, right? It feeling really uncomfortable at times. That's very normal. And that there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. 
and that lots of other people are probably feeling it and maybe just not talking openly about it. So that would be one thing. The other thing, and I think we've said this probably a few times in our conversation, but that it's not to downplay the stress and the overwhelm that comes with it, but also understanding that when we have a lot of change and all of those feelings are so, so complex and overwhelming, it also, that change does lead to opportunities for so much personal growth. And that's where I would say probably my like third point on that is yeah. find the people that will support you in that growth, right? So sometimes we can get caught up in if we're feeling really down and we're struggling and we're really, really uncomfortable. Sometimes we can be drawn to people who are feeling that, but who also that's where they want the conversation to end. Yeah. It's terrible. I agree. It's terrible. It's hopeless. I agree. It's hopeless. And so one thing I would really encourage is find the people absolutely that will validate and normalize because that's important, but that also will support you in figuring out where's the growth here for me? Like, what is it that I could learn from this? How can I grow? Why am I so uncomfortable, right? Like, what is it that, I, that I'm that i needing that I just don't know yet? Or where's that passion that I'm feeling and I'm not quite sure how to get there? Yeah. And so again, that could be a psychologist. It could be really supportive, like peers, family, friends. It's going to be different for every person, but those would probably be the three that really stand out for me that I would encourage people to be thinking about. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I was talking with a therapist about an episode that I did about migratory grief yeah. And like, you know, like as immigrants, like we encounter all these challenges, but there's also a lot of opportunity, right? So it's not like everything, like it's not black and white, there's a gray area, but yeah. sometimes it's hard to look to the bright side, but then once you yeah. do, like, it's nicer. <laughs> and I think it's that fine line, isn't it? Of like, we definitely don't want to have that kind of toxic positivity of like, yes. oh, but look on the bright side and everything's great. Yes. Because then it discounts a really very, very valid feeling and experience. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you find that dance, right? Yes. Of really making sure that you're taking care of yourself, understanding all those feelings that are uncomfortable and learning some maybe new strategies for how do I cope with that, right? Like what is the strategy that works for me when I'm feeling really anxious or overwhelmed? Or what's the strategy that works best for me when I'm feeling a little bit lower or unmotivated? So definitely paying attention and honoring those yeah. feelings. And also being open to having conversations about, so what's next, right? Because I won't stay in this forever. Exactly. I will, yes. like, there will come a time when it doesn't feel so heavy. So how do I think about that? And, and yeah. how do I get there in a really like intentional and meaningful way? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. There's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and Claire, I also want to ask you, why would you like because you provided us really great resources. You've been so validating and, you know, like you've been, yeah, just like so great and understanding about this process. So what would you like the audience to take home from this conversation? Yeah. Oh, gosh, again, so much. <laughs> I think probably number one, hope, right? Hope that it is a moment in time or a period of time. It's not, this won't feel like this forever, especially when you're feeling those uncomfortable feelings. So a lot of hope, a lot of belief in yourself. So that 
like sometimes I'll even ask people to like think back to times and it could be even when you were really little or during teenage years when you struggled with something or you didn't know what to do or you were really uncertain and you got through it like what were those kind of internal resources that you had or yeah. or how did you draw on other people and kind of using yourself even as a, oh yeah, I do this. Like I've yeah. gotten through hard things before. Like yeah. so really a belief in yourself, trusting that you know what's best. So again, absolutely have conversations with other people, find out what their path was, look to other examples of people that you, you know, you go, gosh, I aspire to that or I'm interested in that. But also trust that you know yourself best and you know what's going to be best for you. Yeah. And it's okay if it looks totally different from somebody else. Lean into that discomfort. Learn as much as you can from it. Yeah. I think I've probably, like other than the personal values, I think that's a big one. I've probably yeah. talked about a lot of other things, but get to know what those are for you, right? Because... I don't know what your experience was, but I know for myself, that was a really big learning in my 20s. I did a lot of like, now that I can look back, thinking about what my family would expect or what my communities would expect or things like that. And so getting to know yourself and what your own core values are and why, and really being proud of that and yeah. leading from a place of those values can be so huge and so comforting. Yeah. So probably some of those things. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, uh, when you were talking about the values, like I remember, and it's something that I've learned in my 20s. Well, I'm 26 now. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I remember that I thought I valued, like, for example, prestige, like working at like really big organizations or things like that. Yes. But then after my experiences there, I was like, it right. looks nice on the outside, but I don't feel so well. Yeah. It's very like, uh, like burnout or really emotionally taxing jobs. So it's like, no, I really don't value this. I value wow. my inner peace. Yes. So, <laughs> so like switching jobs or then like, for example, I also like value like helping people right. and this podcast, but also recently I signed up to like become a volunteer at an organization yes. that also like helps, for example, immigrant women. Like I haven't started yet. Like they're still doing my checkups, whatever. Sure. But like I, I had it here. I was like, I really want to do that. I, but yes. I don't know. I'm too busy. But I was like, I really want to do that. So yes. maybe why don't I, don't I just sign up? Oh. So yeah, I think also like mm -hmm. our 20s, like we leave a lot of things. Like yes, and I don't. I'm, I agree. Not everything is a lesson because I know that there are, there's like sad things that happen to people that yeah. they don't deserve yeah. but for me the experiences that I had was like well actually I really don't value that I, yeah. I probably got it from someone sure. <laughs> sure. right and I thought it was cool and how I should live my life right. but in my core like I didn't yes. yeah <laughs> and I love one of the things that you just said really stuck out for me because I often think whenever we hear ourselves like speaking to ourselves and we use that word should, yes. it's such a good reminder to stop and go, wait a minute. Like if we're saying, oh, I should do that or yes. I should be in this career or I should, it's like, oh, wait a minute. It's such an opportunity to be curious, to go, well, wait a minute. Like I'm going to be curious about that. Am I feeling like I should do that because my family would want me to do it? Or that's yeah. what I felt like was the right thing or So that's such a beautiful, powerful word yeah. to use. But another question I have for you from what you just shared was, did you find that you had to go through it to get to that understanding? I feel like yes. it because it was a pattern. Right. <laughs> a yes. <toxic> pattern. <laughs> 
or just, right or just a pattern that I love the way you worded it where it was like you trusted yourself at some point you listened to yourself and went oh wait a minute this doesn't feel true to me yeah. this feels like what I feel like I should be doing yeah if I'm true to myself here's what I really want and then you followed that yeah. which is really what we've been talking about today isn't yeah. it yeah and I think sometimes we do have to experience certain things to be able to get to know ourselves better too yeah yeah thank you so much and just before we wrap up sure I'm enjoying this conversation and I'm curious. I'm very curious because something that you mentioned and suggested is like, you know, believe in yourself. Yes. Because I feel like at this age, we experience a lot of self-doubt. I experience it and I, and I don't know if that ever stops. Like I know people like who are like, who, you know, have been more years in this world and they're like, oh yeah, the other day I experienced imposter syndrome, but I think imposter syndrome is related to self-doubt sure um and it's funny because i there's a show that i really liked it's on hbo and it's called insecure and it's about this woman who the show starts when she's like in her 20 28 or 29 okay and she's at this job that she doesn't like she is at a relationship where she's unhappy and she starts like like making mistakes but you know, like learning and sometimes not learning so much <laughs> because they have to have five seasons. Yeah. So she, you know, <laughs> she has to take her time. Um, but at the end, spoiler alert, she turns 30 and, you know, she has accomplished many things that she never expected. She has mm-hmm. her own business and like she fixes the relationship with the guy and like they're now, like they both have grown as right. people. And she has this very beautiful monologue where she talks about self-doubt. She's like, oh, you know what? I I was afraid of looking stupid or like yes. things were not, not working out or like things failing, but no one was doubting me except for me. Yeah. And I remember I was, I met some students and then they, they asked me like, oh, like my career is short. It's only five years. But they were asking like, oh, what has been your biggest challenge? Yes. And I told them like, I think the biggest challenge was self-doubt and not believing in myself enough right. up until a point where I was like, Honey, what are you doing? Like, you need to, like, you need to get things done. Like, you can't, like, we cannot be in this self-doubt forever. Yes. So, yeah, I wanted to hear your thoughts on, like, self-doubt mm. because you said that it is normal at this oh, age. Um, at any age, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, if you can, like, tell us a little bit about the self-doubt and I don't know if we can overcome it at a hundred percent or maybe like how to like look at it in the eye and be like, you're not going to stop me. (laughs) I think I love that you brought this up because I think it, it does tie in probably everything we've talked about (laughs) during this conversation. Right. So it brings in that when we doubt ourselves, I think we do tend to fall into that pattern of what expectations we had for ourselves, all the things we should be doing or that we think we should have been doing or achieving. But we also fall into those patterns of other people and what they're doing. And am I, am I kind of measuring up to that? And well, what if I fail? That would be terrible. And having this like really powerful fear of failure or feeling like, well, I can't do that if I don't have the whole plan mapped out and it's not going to be perfect. So a lot of those things that we've already talked about, I think the more we get to know ourselves, the more we lean into kind of all of our, I used to say to my oldest kids, like being perfectly imperfect. And that it's like, that is the biggest gift in some ways we can give to ourselves of like, 
at every single age and stage. And I know like with my mom hat on, that's something that still to this day, I have conversations with my kids about, about ways that I'm perfectly imperfect. And that I use that phrase because it's like being imperfect is great. It's fine. It makes you humble. You know, it helps you to like keep growing and learning about yourself your whole life. It also helps you realize that yeah, for sure. Some things haven't gone as they should, or as I would have wanted them to, or hoped that they did, but I'm completely okay. And other things came from it. So kind of leaning into that imperfection too, and yeah. owning it as, oh, this isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Imperfection is where like kind of our vulnerability grows. And then from our vulnerability grows this strength of, yes. oh, I can be vulnerable. I can be humble. I can be imperfect. And the world is still moving on. So it almost takes the power out of that self-doubt and fear of failure and all that. It's like, oh, it doesn't have as much power as I was giving it. And actually all those other things, failing or, you know, being uncertain and being imperfect actually give you a little bit more of a sense of self and a little bit more of a sense of like personal power. And so I think that comes with experience. I think it comes with kind of talking back to ourselves sometimes when we catch ourselves in the should conversations or other things. It comes from actually failing or having struggles and going, oh, I'm still okay. I have a lot to offer. Or, you know, like I love these things about myself, even though that didn't go well. So I think, I think that is an evolution as well, believing in ourselves, but I think it's definitely worth paying attention to. And it's something that for most people, we have to pay attention to our entire lives because we catch (laughs) ourselves right in those moments or periods of self-doubt. So thank you so much. I really love what you said, being perfectly imperfect. (laughs) And I I don't know where we got that message that we had to be perfect. It's so funny because I think that for many years, I was also like this perfectionist, but honestly, Mm. it's not in my nature. I learned it. And I got got myself watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. And (laughs) there was this drag queen and she was doing everything perfect. And RuPaul was saying like, like, honey, we want you to be authentic. We don't want you to be perfect. Like it takes the fun out of things, especially like as creatives. Like we want you to Mm -hmm. mess up and be imperfect. And I was like, thank you, RuPaul. Right? Because then you see the authentic person, yes. right? And and all of us, like we're messy and yes. we're, you know, like all the different parts of us are so wonderful and so beautiful that it's not just the like shiny, perfect parts of us that yes. matter. It's all the parts of us. Yes. And the more we can get more comfortable with that. And again, sometimes we need help to get there. That's okay. Yeah. But the more comfortable we get with that, the more likely we probably are to make the choices that help us lead a life and make the career choices or the love choices and all those things that we will be really content with and and feel like they match with yeah. who we are and what we value and all of that. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this conversation, Claire. Thank you so much for your time and for all the resources and all the advice and tips and yeah, I, I loved hearing your voice and you speak. And I also wanna ask you before we go, if there's anything else that you like to say that it's important and I didn't ask you. Oh, good question. I think, honestly, it's it's probably less about me or a question you didn't ask, but I just want to say, like, sincerely, I yeah. think a podcast like this is wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> really, I do, because I think 
it exists and young people are able to explore like these years of great change, but have a space to feel heard and validated and valued. And your guests provide like a beautiful mix, right, of life experience and perspectives and professional opinions and personal opinions. And I think for a lot of people that might not have access to lots of different people in their own lives... This podcast is also providing that. And so, yeah, thank you for having me and for inviting me to be on. It's been really lovely to chat with you. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to support this show, you can share this episode with your friends, community, or with someone who may benefit from this conversation. You can also rate the show and leave a review and follow it on Instagram at project25.podcast. This is a one-woman show, so if you feel like donating as another way to support, you can go to paypal.me slash project25podcast. And finally, if you'd like to share your story or know someone who does, feel free to email me at andrea.project25 at gmail.com. You can also send me your comments and suggestions in case you want to see someone you like here. And that's all from me. Bye-bye!